Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, your Friday, Memorial Day Friday, the 28th of May edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides, and it is part one of a two-part series. Now, a while back, we did a segment we called Ask Billy. We'll bring in Bill Meltzer in just a minute, and we've solicited questions for Bill Meltzer, and we've got a ton of good ones. So we have so many good questions that we've decided to break up this uh, episode into two, and you'll hear it uh, the first one today, part one. And then on Monday, Memorial Day Monday, part two will come out as well. So without further ado, let's get to Ask Billy, part one of this two-part series of Flyers Daily. And he joins us right now from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? I'm doing well, you know, having some uh, playoff envy going on and some great series, but... uh... You know, I mean, I guess I guess the one thing is that you can watch it with an impartial eye and there is something to be said for that. But it would sure be a lot better if the Flyers are involved. You know, I can't I can't help but think that every game I watch. You get that when you're not in it. You get that playoff envy because like you see crowds now, too, in, in the buildings and, yeah. and the hockey is just so different. And one thing I want to ask you about this right out of the gate, because every year that your team's not in the playoffs, the fa- you see the fan bases around the league and, and the Flyers fan base included, they go. We're so far away. Look at how these teams are playing. Because the game is so side-by-side comparison, regular season hockey to playoff hockey, is so ratcheted up that you, you're comparing the Flyers from the regular season to the teams that are now in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, one of the, obviously the big things you look at when you examine the team and the roster is, okay, does this team have that ability to ratchet it up where – you know, you're fighting for space every shift of every game and, you know, every every mistake gets magnified. You know, listen, there's really, when we talk about parity in the league, I mean, it, it really is. When you, when you go back to St. Louis going from last place in the West, almost the bottom of the NHL, to winning the cup in the same season, I mean, it was early January, they were in last place. You go, you go to the Flyers, how much they improved a year ago even despite not playing well, starting out 11, four and three, and then missing the playoffs. It's really, it's really, you know, it's the gap, the gap may seem huge. Really. It's, you know, really there's a lot of teams that under the right circumstances could, could make the playoffs, make a little bit of a run, you know, are the flyers and, and other teams really at that level of being, you know, would they be a favorite to be contender? Well, they're not, but uh, you know, but really, really the gap is, is narrower than I think than people's, say sometimes and that's on a league-wide basis not just the flyers yeah the gulf is not nearly as large as you think just go back to 06 07 i mean you go from the worst team in the yeah. league to a conference final with a couple of savvy moves that that's what can happen i mean again and look this season as well the national predators were inches away from being big time sellers yeah they're now in, in a dogfight in round number one so things can change rather quickly and certainly we hope that is the case, but savvy moves need to take place. Um, Bill, one of the things I want to touch on, because, you know, one of the conversations that we've had here on on Flyers Daily, and a lot of people have asked the question, can a team win without a star player? Well, we saw a team uh, last night upon taping this in the Edmonton Oilers get knocked out, swept in the first round. They've won one playoff round since McDavid's been there. They have McDavid and Dreisaitl, the top two point getters in the NHL. McDavid is the most dominant athlete in any pro sport right now, yet they have no playoff success to speak of. Um, Eventually, players like that do need to change the way they play to win. Even Alexander Ovechkin did it, had to become 
more of a 200-foot player because that's what wins in the playoffs. When you see that the Oilers got knocked out, are you surprised? And, and what needs to change? Well, I, I wasn't surprised. You know, I mean, the, listen, the number one thing is the, you know, the mix and the, the surrounding group. You know, I think it becomes convenient to put everything on the star player. On the other hand, though, you know, there's uh, another level that really every every player can get to. And, you know, I think for Connor McDavid to to help the Oilers take the next step, which doesn't doesn't relieve management of the the onus of you know putting better some better players around them you know in the depth positions and, and team defense and goaltending you know is that for McDavid to become more of a complete 200 foot hockey player you know you can look at all the advanced stats in the world all the expected goal differentials and all of that that really speak to his puck handling ability and his speed more than his ability without the puck he absolutely has an, an ability to get better in that regard you know I mean you know, he's, he's not going to be confused with the, with the Selkie Trophy candidate, right? And he doesn't have to be one. But but for him to be just a little bit better protecting the house, it has a cumulative effect on the team. Everybody else, when you're when your best player is you're also your best two-way player, everyone else in the room has no choice but to follow suit, you know, because, uh, you know, they, 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 look, they look to him. And it definitely, it definitely has an effect on the roster, you know. Superstar players have been through it before. You mentioned you mentioned Alex Ovechkin. Um, you know, I, I go to Mike Madonna because Mike Madonna was a hundred point a year player for some stars teams that had some pretty big holes in them. When when uh, Ken Hitchcock challenged Madonna to be the best two way player on the Stars, he lost I think a pretty fair amount in points, but the Stars as a team became better and he became more valuable as a result. Right, um, Steve Eiserman put up a ton of points with Detroit early in his career. And, uh, you know, there was even talk, okay, you know, there, there's Gretzky and there's Lemieux. And you know, what about Iserman? Where does he rank in that group? When Iserman became a better two-way player, sacrificed some points, that was that coincided with Detroit take, hitting the next level in their game. I mean, you know, I, I think McDavid can do the same thing. And doesn't even have to sacrifice that many points to do it. You know, I don't think, I don't think he's awful uh, as a two-way player. I think he's improved. But he has another level that he can get to. Now, there's you know there's certainly things that management has to do to put the team in better position to win. But I think I think it's fair to challenge him to be, you know, to be Edmonton's best two way player. Strive for it anyway. You know, and again, he doesn't have to sacrifice that much in the way of points just because he is so fast in transition. You know, but the Oilers, the Oilers as a team, you know, and I don't watch them all the time, but when watching them, I mean, you know, he he's a threat to score anytime he ventures up the ice. At any but, inch of the ice, <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. Give give him give him any space, and he's off. You yeah. know, uh, to turn more plays that start in the defensive zone into goals, and I and I don't mean you know I don't mean you steal a puck, you know, steal a pass, and off you go on a breakaway. I mean, you know, I mean you help protect the house, and uh, a scoring chance one way becomes a goal the other way. He has that in him to to do with more consistency, and I can't admit, yeah, it is, it is, and you know, I, and I think that um, you know, I, I think honestly. That uh, you know, it, it, if we're having a different conversation two years from now about the Oilers, that has to be a piece of it. You know, it, it has to be one one piece of a bigger puzzle. And uh, you know, he would he'd hardly be the first superstar to go through it. You know, one of the things that made Mario Lemieux such a special player. No, he didn't play a lot of defense during the regular season, but as soon as the playoffs started, mm -hmm. you know, he had that ability to just flip that switch. And there were times in the biggest games of the year where Lemieux was the best two-way player on the ice just yeah. because he was that good, you know? 
McDavid has McDavid has that generational, you know, talent ability that or you know, he could be that kind of a player too, where you know, maybe not as physically imposing, but just uh you know, just just hit another level in his own game. And I think it will, you know, I think that in conjunction with you know, with some improvements around him, you know, Edmonton has the makings of being a, a team with the with our two superstars that, that goes a long way. You don't have to have that superstar necessary to win. You know, there were, you know, I said, well, I guess the ultimate example was that that uh Carolina Hurricanes team, you know, yeah. that uh you know the Blues I mean, too. Yeah, blues the, the Blues the Blues too. You know, they had they certainly had a lot of depth. They had a lot of talent up and down the lineup. They had a, a good blue line, but they were great you know goaltending. And the great goaltending. But the great goaltending has also also has to do with you know we've talked about this many times that they go hand in hand. It's how the team plays in front of the goalie to give them a chance to to steal some games for them. So, you know, Bennington really caught fire, and the team caught fire with him. But they, you know, it was really it was really all about the the play in front of him as well as his own play. And you know, Edmonton just doesn't doesn't have that that right mix. And you know, uh, most of that is outside of McDavid's control. But there are things within McDavid's control that he can make. You know that he can help the Oilers take those next steps. I think that's a, that's a, a fair criticism and a conversation that, uh, you know, that I think needs to be had internally. So what else can he do, you know, while they're working to improve what's around them? Yeah. And you can outscore problems in the regular season and the yeah. postseason. It's just a different game. It just, it's like the NBA yeah. becomes a half court game in the playoffs and in the NHL it's real estate is really difficult to come by and you have to defend every bit as much as you want to be offensive. You know, you think about, you talk about goaltending and environment. Jack Campbell with the Toronto Maple Leafs in these playoffs has an expected save percentage of 941. Yeah. I would say his team's doing a really good job keeping everything Montreal has to offer to the outside. It's kind of what the Flyers did against Montreal last year as well. Montreal had a decent amount of shots, and it looked like Carter Hart stole some of those games, in particular in third periods. But the fact of the matter is, is they weren't high-danger chances. They weren't going in. And, you know, Toronto's doing that right now, defending very well against Montreal, despite the fact that Carey Price has been pretty otherworldly. Uh, they have the lead in that series as well. No, absolutely right. And, um, you know, it, it, I mean, it's really hard. It's really hard to, you know, unwrap the two things because they go hand in hand. When, when a team has the confidence that if there is a breakdown, their goalie can make the save, you know, that goes a long way. And it also goes a long way, too. You know, we're goalie knowing that, okay, if there is a rebound, it's going to get cleaned up in front of me. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to get screened. I'm not going to, you know, I mean, it really, you know, when they give their goalie a chance to make saves, he'll, you know, he'll make more of the big saves too. It's just, it, it just, it's one of those things in hockey that it's, you can't quantify. You just know it when you see it. And, uh, you know, where, where they, where they hit that level and, uh, you know, listen, I mean, the, the flyers, that first round series, and, and I agree with you, you know, there were a lot of shots on goal. But the a big reason why the Flyers were able to close out those games, and yes, they got some huge saves from from Carter Hart when they needed them, but they also they also gave him a chance to make the saves. Toronto's absolutely Toronto's absolutely done that so far against Montreal. You know, it's yeah. uh, you know, so that's uh, you know, that that's a uh, I mean that's a tough matchup for Montreal. They they did steal that first game, but you know I think uh, you know I think that's Toronto's series, and you know a lot of the other series, the ones that are still going on, they've been they've been fascinating to watch. Well, let's talk about one that's not going on because Washington comes in as uh, a team in, in you know win in the East Division, right at the top again, and you know bring in Peter Laviolette, and he's usually an injection of uh, success immediately. And they had a good regular season, but they end up getting bounced in the playoffs in five games after they get a win in Game One. 
And then the Caps just flat out fell apart, lost four straight to the Bruins. Bruins advance. The Caps are done. Uh, there's some question marks there. W- what's it look like for the future of the Caps? Because the Flyers will be seeing them a lot once again. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, they, they they had some question marks going into the season, you know, in, in goal, in experience and those yeah, kind of losing things. losing Hank when he had the heart, yeah. I think, really kind of derailed their their plan there. Sure. And, and listen, I mean, they were also a team that, uh, you know, players play hurt in the playoffs all the time. They were a team that went into the playoffs, you know, exceptionally banged up. I mean, when they played the Flyers late in the season, they weren't just re- they weren't just resting guys for the playoffs. So that was a piece of it. They were legitimately banged up. I mean, you know, you have to peak at the right time, and uh, they they peaked a little bit early. I mean, they they showed some they showed some holes late in the season. Um, you know, they they weren't playing their best hockey going into the playoffs, and uh, they certainly didn't play their best in the series. I mean, they were their own worst enemy at times too in that series. Yeah, and, they, and they, yeah, and and they played a team that can, you know, that can capitalize on your mistakes. You know, I, that's, uh, you know, I, I didn't expect them to go out in five, certainly, but uh, I don't, I don't consider that result necessarily that much of an upset either. Yeah, not considering the way the Bruins were playing yeah. since the deadline with the additional yeah. Hall and, and the goaltending that they get from Tuukka Rask. I mean, uh, of active goalies, he's got the best save percentage in the playoffs of any active goalie in the NHL. It's, yet, if you go to Boston, you think he's just. A scrub. Um, the other series, and uh, you know, Samsonov has that gaffe in the one game in overtime yeah. to, to give uh, the, the Bruins a win. And then last night, the Penguins in overtime. Tristan Jari, for some reason, I mean, goalies yell it all the time when you're when you're communicating with defensemen. It, take it wide up the boards, glass. You never yell middle <laughs> as a goalie. <laughs> And then when you get the puck as a goalie, you never go middle. Go over the middle, yep. And he threw the puck right up the middle, through a pizza, ends up in the back of the net. Yeah. Can't do that. Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes goalies that love to handle the puck, and he certainly is one, you know, sometimes overestimate what they can do. In the, I mean, that's just that's just never a good play. Yeah. Going over the middle is Such never a good play. Such an easy read for the other team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that gets picked off way more often than that works. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's just a, a terrible risk to take, particularly in a sudden death situation. But uh, you know, but I mean, it also you know, also you get you get to a double overtime situation, and you know, it's, uh, yeah, there's any any number of opportunities to win the game before that. But yeah, I mean, uh, those uh, those little gaffes, you know, they will they'll they'll kill a team, you know. But uh, you know, I mean, you know, it's it's a double edged sword because a lot of times Jari does help the. Penguins get out of trouble by getting the puck to the defenseman and, yeah. you know, out they go. So it's, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's take the good with the bad sometimes. But yeah, that was a, that was a particularly ill-advised decision. It's, yeah. That's fair. Um, one more. Uh, Florida is using their third goaltender now, uh, Spencer Knight. Bob, he's got five years left, Bill. Ten yeah. million AAV. A full no-move clause. And he looks about cooked as an NHL goalie. Yeah, well, at least you know, at least at least these two years in Florida have not gone his way, and you know, and of course he doesn't have a very good playoff history, which is clearly in his head, you know. But it, it's uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what Florida does with with Bob at this point, you know. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's uh, you, you know, buy Florida, him out, it's going to be like a Bobby Bonilla situation. You're paying yeah, him forever. oh yeah, yeah, or, or Briz, to, yeah. to be to be honest. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think Florida's going to win that series, but I, I do like the way they've, they've really, you know, they've, they've gone for broke. They, 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 you know, they, it's like, okay, you know what? We can only lose the series. If we're going to go, we're going to go down. We're going to go down swinging. I mean, you know, it, it, this has been, those have been kind of fun games to watch, just because, because Florida's really, you know, they said they're, they're going for broke. They're not playing not to lose. They're playing to win. 
against against a team that they probably can't do that two more times against. But you know, but it, it's it's a fun ride while it's going on. Yeah, and it's great like throwback hockey. It's like yeah, 90s sure. hockey. I mean, right from the first the game one of the puck drop. I mean, it's just been incredibly physical and so many storylines. It's been awesome. Uh, let's get to Ask Billy. We did this before, Bill, and we solicited questions uh, for our first time ever doing Ask Billy, and it was such a success. We got to bring it back, and it was tremendous. So I put out the solicitation that you know we were going to be doing this, and uh, people could ask questions. So let's start with. Sean Money D. He said, watching these playoffs, it solidifies for me. I know you disagree, but this team needs a stud scorer, a sniper, a guy who just freaking scores from anywhere, anytime. Pretend for a second you agree. Who would you go after? Now, I'm not going to pretend for a second I agree because I don't. And for a lot of the reasons we just talked about, a streaky scorer doesn't help you in the playoffs unless he's streaking, and, and that's a, a coin flip if those pure goal scorers like Line A are like that. But um, if I were to go for a guy, I mean, a guy that I can think of that's a free agent that I would have interest in if I'm the Flyers is a guy like Mike Hoffman. Yeah, it, you know, particularly looking at a one-year deal. Yep, you know, you which can is go what out he was on this yeah. year. Yeah, you can go out and get to 30 goals. You know, he's not, he's not, looking, at, he's not looking at anything long-term at this point. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if that's the element that you're looking for, yeah, I mean that, that's what I would look for. I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking to uh, break the bank in a trade just because if you're going to get that number one pairing defenseman that I think we all agree is a bigger need, you're going to have to trade some pieces to get that. So, yep. you know, so to 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 bolster the scoring a little bit, I, I would look for you know I'd look for a veteran type one year arrangement, and uh, you know that that would if you're going to fill that need, that's how I'd go about it. Yeah, and one of the one of the things you throw at him when you're courting him in this process is you're going to be on our number one power play in a trigger position. You know that, that that's something that you can offer it, it for him for his services as well. Uh, that's attractive. Um, Dry Island tweets in and says, "Great, great Twitter handle by the way." Says Jack Eichel talk. I want to know what Fletcher sa- uh, says about re-signing Sam Moran. So he, first of all, Jack Eichel. Um, it certainly looks like he's going to be out of Buffalo. He's going to have this surgery to, to his cervical spine, which is a little banged yep. up, and they kind of disagree at, at this moment on exactly what procedure to get done. Uh, but he's only 25 years old. Um, he, he's an incredibly talented player that's wallowing in Buffalo, but he's not the first to do it, and he wants out. Uh, is, is this something that's a realistic trade target for Chuck Fletcher? Maybe. You know, I mean, the Flyers have, certainly have a lot of pieces they could offer. They could offer – you know, two first round picks and a Konechny and, you know, take a pick of a defenseman, a Sandheim, a, a Myers, you, you, know, you package that all together. That's a lot of value that also, you know, that also maybe prevents you from doing, doing other things. Um, you know, and you, I mean, one of the, part of the whole thing with salary cap management, and I'm not saying that Jack Eichel would be a huge addition for any team, obviously, including the Flyers, is that you you have to manage how much you're spending at each position, you know maybe if maybe if the Flyers weren't so tied into uh, you know Kevin Hayes for this long period of time and, and needing to resign Couturier, um, you know assuming Couturier wants to re up here long term because then we're you know, then we're then we're having a whole other conversation if Couturier might want to test free agency in a year then you're talking about trading them and what can you get in return and you know then you're you're really rebuilding your core so. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, is, is it realistic if the Flyers want to put the, put together a sufficient trade package? I think they have the pieces where they could maybe do something like that. But I, I think that you're maybe looking at a, 
a longer process where, and, and maybe you can do that because he is only 25. Um, if you're convinced that he's healthy and, you know, committed and, you know, his head is on straight and his attitude is right and all, you know, all, all the rest of those things. I mean, you know, Eichel, Eichel for all that he's produced and, and maybe, maybe justifiably so to some degree, you know, he spent an awful lot of time complaining about what's not around him, you know, um, for all the, for all the top of the draft picks that Buffalo has had, you know, you look at their lineup, they have so many guys who were picked in the top eight and including himself guys who were top two picks and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Darlene was a first overall pick, it, you know, and, and um, so, I mean, you know, the, there's talent there. They just haven't been able to put any kind of team together, but, you know, but uh, is it, is it a possibility? Yeah. I, I think that uh, the flyers conceivably could do it. I just don't know how ultimately it's going to move them closer in terms of the overall mix, you know, then you'd be taking a step back to re- to rebuild your core. If that's the, if that's the path they choose to take, you know, then, then I think it's realistic. Yeah. I mean, I think they're involved in any conversation for any player of that uh, caliber. Um, yeah. He also asked about uh, re-signing Sam Moran. My feeling here is that Sam's probably played his last game for the Flyers and he's going to try and latch on with an, an NHL team. And if not, he can probably go play in Europe. Yeah. I, and, and I mean, from what I've heard, they have not ruled out re-signing Sam, you know, he's not, uh, he's not the front of the line. Uh, if Sam is here, it'd probably be as the number six or number seven defenseman. Um, you know, he, he had a stretch, particularly uh, when he was paired with Shane Goss's pair in the third pair, you know, and towards the second half of the season where he had a, he had a really good solid stretch of games. Um, you know, brings the enthusiasm. He brings, he brings the physical play, you know, I think as part of a supporting, supporting group, you know, Sam, Sam may be viable. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if you pencil him in and you're starting six, but uh, he's a guy who might be able to, to fill that spot. Maybe, you, you know, you move out some of the competition. Maybe there's a spot for him as, as your number six guy, bringing a physical element to, to the lineup. So I think his usage at the end of the year was pretty telling, Bill. Yeah, I, I agree because he, he was not yeah. in the lineup. Yeah. Now, now the, now the thing also though, I mean, it, it is, it does, it should be pointed out and, and uh, you know, Moran himself brought it up, but I mean, you know, uh, Moran was still having issues with knee soreness and inflammation at times. So, you know, his ability to play back-to-back games was limited. He missed a little time with the Phantoms about the time that they had the yeah. uh, their COVID outbreak. And it wasn't because he was a COVID case. It was because he was having tendonitis in his knee, the, the same knee that he turned the ACL twice. And, and um, you know, Vino alluded to it later in the season too. Well, you know, some of it's a physical issue where how much can he play back-to-back? But then there were times where he'd been sitting for – Know, four days and you're out you're, you know, you're eliminated at that point and they were looking at other guys in the lineup so I, I do think that's telling i would i would say that if i had to say does it lean towards him not coming back or coming back i'd say more likely they they let him try to find another opportunity somewhere else but i don't think the door is totally closed either yeah and, and if he goes out and tests it and doesn't find a situation signs a two-way uh, could be something that's that is in the cards as well. Right. Uh, Steve tweets and he says, after watching the first week of the NHL playoffs, it feels like the Flyers are nowhere near being the caliber of any of the teams that are le- uh, leading or have won their series. Do you think we can realistically get back to that level or beyond next year? Uh, it's kind of what we talked about right off the hop, you know, that side-by-side comparison of regular season versus playoffs. So I, I would caution Steve, you know, it- it's hard to kind of, Put them side by side when one team, when you get in the playoffs, the adrenaline kicks in and it's a best of seven and the hockey is different. So, uh, but from my standpoint, you know, some savvy moves can certainly put them right back into that equation. 
Uh, you know, if you solve a couple of the key issues, which is, you know, right side, top pair defensemen, and some depth and a little bit of, you know, nasty in the lineup that you need in your bottom six, then I think absolutely they can be back at that level without question next year. I know yeah. a lot of people disagree with that, and they'd say, oh, that's a company line. I say BS. I, I don't think they're as the gulf is as far as people think from where they need to be and where they are. Right, and, and if you look at what the team lost in the offseason, clearly – Niskanen's departure hurt, but not not to the extent that you're going to take the kind of dive that they took, right? Um, You know, Tyler Pitlick, nice player, filled a role nicely. They really thought they had a guy in in Albe Kubel that could step into that role. He really didn't this year. But not not a player that's going to move the needle that much or going to drop the way that they dropped, right? If you look at at why the Flyers improved so much from 2018-19, to the pre to the last season. Um, it was in, in two-way commitment. The penalty kill improved greatly. Uh, Carter Hart obviously had a strong second NHL season, you know, um, most of the, most of the other indicators were, were solid. You know, you look across the board, you top, top seven and uh, goals against top seven and, you know, in, uh, goals, in for. Goals, for goals per game. Right. And that's going to be a playoff team 10 times out of 10. Um, you get, you get within a win of a conference final, despite really not playing their best hockey. I mean, it's really, it's just how close it is in, in the NHL. And, um, you know, I, I think the Flyers are, are still in that mix, but they absolutely need the upgrades that you mentioned. You know, yeah. they, they need, to me, they need a, at least another another two-way forward that can, you know, um, also, also bring you know, bring a little bit more grit to the lineup. You could use a little more speed, a little more grit. Not necessarily always great if you get it with the same player. Or there might be two players, you know. But it, it's, um, you know, I, I think I think the elements are there to to bounce back to where they were previous season. I think obviously the need number one is that top pairing right side defense, and we keep saying it over and over again. And then you're you know you slot guys the right way at the blue line, and uh, things start looking a lot better. With that regard, I, I think that uh, you know, I think one big acquisition, maybe a, a moderate acquisition or two, and a bounce back here from Carter Hart and the Flyers are are back in that mix of teams. Even though they won't be a favorite, they'd be in the mix of teams that okay, if this bounces the right way, that goes the right way, you know, they, then then there's a, an opportunity to uh, win a couple of playoff rounds, maybe, yeah. right? But it's it, it's hard. Yeah, and the other part of it, too, is, you know, you get more team speed if Morgan Frost is on this team and healthy. Right. You know, the big question, too, from from a forward perspective is how do your centers play out? What Where is Nolan Patrick here? What is Nolan right. Patrick if he's here? Right. And if Nolan Patrick's here, does that put Frost on the wing? And, you know, I mean, Frost is absolutely at the period now where he's got to be an NHL player. Yeah, uh, and, uh, you know, it really – it's a shame – you know, for him and really you couldn't, who knows what kind of impact he might've had, but, you know, I, I compared Frost from his first training camp to his second and it was a night and day difference, yeah. you know, and his rookie year with the Phantoms, he's an AHL all-star. He was inconsistent with the Flyers, but most rookies are right. Yeah. And he did score in his first two NHL games and there were, there were flashes there and he had a really good camp, you know, in January, kind of similar to, to Joel Farabee's camp where so you could see uh, he'd taken a, a jump in his game to another level. Um, you know, pucks weren't going in, but also pucks weren't going in for Joel during the preseason either. I mean, during camp because they only had the one scrimmage. But during during all their scrimmages, you know, he was doing everything but scoring. But you could see it was there. He was he was poised, you know, poised for a breakout, and he had a breakout. 
you know, uh, Frost still has to get stronger physically. We'll see how he is over the summer in that regard. But uh, yeah, I mean, he is still ca- certainly capable of making an offensive impact, adding to the speed, adding to the creativity. Yeah. You know, do you go in counting on it? Maybe not. But I mean, that, that's something that's something they're capable of getting from within. You know, in terms of Nolan Patrick, who knows? Who who knows if, if as you said, if he's even here, is he packaged as something? You know, as part of a larger trade. Um, you know, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it, it's uh, some certainly players that didn't step forward this year, whether it was due to injury, whether it was due to stagnating or going backwards. You know, like uh, a guy like Phil Meyer certainly took a step backwards yeah. from where he finished the year before. You know, I they're going to need some of those guys to step up. Probably not going to get all of them to step up, but some of those guys, you know, it's really it's really a combination of things. You know, the Flyers have a whole lot to prove this offseason, a whole lot to prove next year over, you know, not just how they come out of the gates, but just over the long haul of the season. But is it uh, is it unrealistic for the Flyers to be a, a team that finishes comfortably in playoff position and, and can win, you know, win a couple rounds in the playoffs? I don't I don't think that's impossible. I, you know, and it. You know, it starts in goal, and it's the other pieces around it too. But it, it's, uh, you know, but I, I think if the Flyers, you know, play the kind of hockey that they played during the season, you know, certainly the goals against average doesn't significantly come down, and uh, the penalty kill remains that bad, and the, you know, power plays that spotty. No, no, they're no, they're nowhere close to the contending team. So it's, yeah. uh, you know, really, really kind of depends on what happens between now and when the puck drops in opening night. There you go. Part one of our two-part Ask Billy series. Part two will come up on Monday. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope your question was answered. If it wasn't, tune in Monday and find out if your question gets answered in that episode, part two, which comes up on Memorial Day Monday. Everybody have a safe weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday's Memorial Day episode of Flyers Day. (laughs) 